0: the GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.
2: Hello everyone and welcome to the September 4th, 2017 edition of the Fantasy Football Report. A RotoViz podcast brought to you by the FFPC. The Fantasy Football Report is also brought to you by MyBookie, the official sports book of RotoViz Radio. I'm Blair Andrews. You can follow me on Twitter at Am I the Real Blair. Uh Anthony's at a wedding tonight, so he's not going to be joining us. He'll be back next week. But in the meantime, you are stuck with me. Um, but <laughs> it's all good because we have an amazing guest on the show today. Joining us is Mike Tagliere. he's the lead NFL writer for Fantasy Pros. And a co-host of the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Tagliere NFL. Uh, Mike, how's it going?
3: It's going awesome, man. And I'm I'm pretty proud of you. Uh, you. Like this is the first time we've ever talked through a podcast, and you said my name correctly. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm giving you uh, props, right? that, like through our microphone, if I could do that.
2: <laughs> awesome. Well, I uh I you know like half an hour before we got on here, I actually went back and listened to some of your other appearances to make sure I would get it right. Ah, it looked well like a name I could screw up, but no, no, that's that's a yeah, good thing. That, you my your due diligence. Prep, that's
3: good. <laughs> yeah, I always I always try and do that too. So uh, definitely definitely cool. It's uh, we're I just I just tweeted out it's we're one week away, like a week from exactly right now. I'll be preparing for like a live Sunday morning show that I do. So I mean I've been writing this weekend. I wrote. Literally, I'm looking at my computer right now. I have twelve thousand five hundred nineteen words as part of this article I'm working on. So uh, I've been really busy, and I'm just I'm happy that it's week one. I'm happy that we're done talking about the off season. I think that we've all memorized the stats that we know uh, from 2016. Now I think we're all ready to move forward.
2: Totally, it's uh, super exciting. Football is finally back. I mean, real we can, you know, real meaningful football. So yeah, I'm excited to to get into it. Um, I guess we'll just jump right in. Uh, The NFL Players Association filed a temporary restraining order in Texas calling on the courts to block any suspension upheld by NFL arbitrator Harold Henderson. Uh, The NFLPA is basically alleging that the NFL hid information that would have benefited Elliott. And at this point, it's starting to look like he will be active in week one. Uh, Is this kind of a Tom Brady situation all over again?
3: It kind of seems like it might be, but at the same time, you know, if I if I recall the, the the order of events that happened with Brady, he was never handed the suspension. Then it went back into court, and like and going back and forth, like the 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 exact amount of it, because he ended up getting the year. I don't remember the exact order of events because it was such a long process that went out with Brady. I think it's a little bit different in this because there was something clearly done wrong off the field. And the NFL, as much as people want to say that they have to prove things about Ezekiel Elliott, the NFL kind of does what they want. You know, some players haven't been charged with anything through through the legal system, but at the same time, they end up suspended through the NFL because they think that they're you know their own court <laughs> and that's just that's why a lot of people are upset with the NFL that's why they have a players association so I'm not going to say that it's impossible that Ezekiel Elliott uh, you know plays week one I, I'm not seeing it as likely because people have asked me you're, you're like Mike you know can we move him back into the first round should we take him there now you know I, we have to go on tangible things right and all we know right now is that he's suspended for six games if if things change, it's all speculation right now. All we're hearing is rumors. There's there's been false rumors before, uh, so you know if you want to take Ezekiel Elliott in the second round, I guess I'm fine with that. But if you do that, you need to reach for Darren McFadden. Like I can't I can't stress that enough. And honestly. I think if you if you're drafting Ezekiel Elliott, you might want him to get suspended for the first six games rather than maybe like down the road. Let's say that this does drag out in court for a little bit. Let's say he's suspended for the fantasy playoffs. Like then, what are you going to do? So it's a really risky proposition. I've said before that you can't win your fantasy football league in the first two rounds, but you can lose it. And Ezekiel Elliott is the type of player that can lose it if for you know if he gets suspended for those six games.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it would be way worse for you to have him for the beginning of the season and then lose him when you when you need him in the playoffs. I mean, obviously, it's all speculation at this point. But it seems like I mean, from what I can recall about the Tom Brady situation, it seems like this is moving quite a bit faster. Would you agree uh, with that? Yeah.
3: Oh, I I would. I think I think it had to do with subpoenas and stuff like that, that they had to get in order to get access to like Brady's phone and all this stuff. Like, it's, it's really weird, like how all the third parties got involved with that Tom Brady thing. And that's why I think it's a little bit different of a situation, whereas Ezekiel Elliott, this was brought up if you if you remember it was brought up before last season and it was kind of brushed mm-hmm. under the rug as something like it was never he was he never faced any legal trouble for it so most people just assumed that that he wouldn't face any suspension but you know Adam Schefter started rocking the boat as we started getting closer and closer <laughs> to the season I remember that on a XM show he was doing but you know it's it's just I don't know I in those first two rounds it's just there's such important picks and most people kind of forget that Ezekiel Elliott even if he let's just pretend that the 6 game Suspension does exist, and that it, it holds true. He also has a bye week in there during on week six, so therefore he's missing the first seven weeks of the fantasy season. So you are essentially taking him out of your lineup for over half of the fantasy regular season because the regular season ends at week thirteen. So I, I can't do it. Mm. I, I don't. I don't own any Ezekiel Elliott. I own some best ball shares, but that's about it.
2: Yeah, it's a tough situation to figure out, and maybe best advice for anyone who's still drafting before. Uh, the regular season starts, is to stay away in the first two rounds. For sure. Uh, let's move on to the next item. Speaking Thursday, Colts owner Jim Ursay acknowledged Andrew Luck is unlikely to play in week one. Uh, Mike, can you start any Colts if Luck is out of the lineup?
3: I don't want to. Uh, I've told people that, you know, we were talking on the, the podcast, uh, I can't remember if it was like the maybe Wednesday or Thursday, and we brought up the idea about Andrew Luck not playing, and there and someone said T.Y. Hilton, and I was like, you don't want to play T.Y. Hilton. He's like, well, wait a minute, you want to downgrade him, but you want to play him still, right? And I'm like, no, you legitimately, I would play other proven options over T.Y. Hilton. I would play guys like Deshaun Jackson over him in week one. Going back and looking at the last couple years without Andrew Luck, T.Y. Hilton, he's averaged, and, and there was 10 10 games that he played without Andrew Luck over the last three years in those 10 games he averaged just seven and a half fantasy points that would have been in the range of wide receiver 45 last year and we're not talking about a small sample size where it's like you know maybe two or three games and that can be influenced by matchup we're talking about 10 games which gives us a solid sample size and if you guys have ever watched Scott Tolzien throw a football you're not (laughs) excited about T.Y. Hilton he's the one who's actually most affected by it Dante Moncrief can still get things done you know in that short area of the field he's more of like a red zone threat T.Y. Hilton needs that big play and uh with Andrew Luck out of the lineup it's it's very concerning for him Frank Gore is someone that I I haven't been a fan of this offseason I just you know everybody including Tom Brady including Frank Gore they're all going to hit this wall and we've already kind of seen it with Frank Gore and the Colts he's he's averaged sub four yards per carry over his two seasons there they're missing Ryan Kelly the centerpiece of that offensive line he has competition Robert Turbin is going to be there he was stealing goal line carries towards the end of the year Marlon Mack you know I'm not going to play Marlon Mack, I'm not going to say that he's going to be involved right away, but once Andrew Luck comes back, Marlon Mack is someone that you should keep an eye on, because I've said that, like you, you know when you stand out in front of your garage on a rainy day, and you see those little drips just coming down off the... Roger. That's Frank Gore. Mm-hmm. Frank Gore's just dripping, dripping, right? And Marlon Mack is lightning in a bottle, whereas like this this Colts offense needs something like lightning in a bottle so that they don't rely on Andrew Luck so much. Frank Gore is not going to break off a 40-yard touchdown run. It's just not going to happen. Robert Turbin's not that guy. Those guys are built for for a team that has a good defense. You want to play a ball-control style offense. The Colts don't have that. They don't have the offensive line to do that. So no, I honestly don't want anybody. I actually just <laughs> in, a, in a league that I'm doing. It's like a it's a deep industry league, uh, but it's shallow benches. We only have five bench spots. I drafted Jack Doyle as my starting tight end. I yesterday when I heard that you know they 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 traded for Jacoby Brissett, I was like, man, this means Luck's going to be out for a couple weeks. Uh, maybe stay on the pup. He ended up coming off of it, but I actually dropped Jack Doyle for uh Jason Witten and it's not hmm. something I wanted to do it's not something I wanted to do but at the same time I'm not going to pretend like losing Andrew Luck doesn't severely hurt all these options in the offense and I, I just can't deal with it uh but Andrew Luck is a solid stash though if you can get him some people are getting him in like the 11th 12th round if you can do that he's well worth a bench spot
2: yeah that would be a really great value if I, I could ever see him fall to that um <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I guess the other thing to keep in mind, especially when we're talking about T.Y. Hilton, is that he played a lot of last season without Dante Moncrief even on the field, and that is another thing that's going to bring down his production. So, I mean, with Moncrief in and Luck out, it's hard to really get excited about him, uh, which is kind of unfortunate because he was someone I drafted a lot of earlier in the offseason, and now I have a, a bunch of him on my you know. Looking at week one, like uh, I don't know what I'm doing here. But
3: well, hang in there. Just don't, just don't let the name influence your decision to start someone else over him. Like if you have like Jeremy Macklin on your bench, start Jeremy Macklin. Like don't, don't, don't. Just because it's T.Y. Hilton, don't be afraid to put him on the bench. Just because, again, if they're Scott, if they're starting Scott Tolzien, it's it's a problem. If Jacoby Brissett plays, it's going to raise his ceiling a bit. But I can't see Brissett playing on just one week notice. So uh, maybe week two Brissett's out there, but week one. Uh, and it's a good matchup too against the Rams. Mm-hmm. So, but but yeah, I, I I avoid T Y Hilton. I think he's just like a wide receiver three, wide receiver four option in Week One.
2: All right, cool. Uh, let me just follow up. I guess how, uh, hmm, how do I ask this? How many games would Luck have to miss before you would say uh, he's not really worth keeping this year, or not worth looking, not worth uh, playing in redraft or something like that?
3: Uh, Andrew Luck, yeah, like in ter- in terms of drafting him at all yeah well him the fact that he didn't end up on the pup list so that means he they, they're they not they don't plan on keeping him out for six weeks like that mm-hmm. was like a big move we were waiting to hear if they were going to keep him on the pup list because then he'd be locked into at least missing missing six games it seems like right now the timetable is him missing two maybe three games that seems like it's the timetable you know the the signing the the trade for Jacoby Brissett seems like it could be more of depth than anything because as you've seen mm-hmm. having Scott Tolzien on your roster is just dragging everything down so um It'll be interesting to see if they even if they even have Tolzine on the roster for Week One. I don't know if they play Stephen Morris. It, hmm. it, it's it's all up in the air right now. But Luck, you know, I would draft him. I mean, I, I don't feel like you should run from Luck. I actually own him in a lot of leagues. I get I get him usually in the ninth, tenth round. But I've been have I've been having people on Twitter tell me that they're getting him in the tenth, eleventh, twelfth round because of this Brissett signing and the fact that people are scared of him. They think that he's missing a lot more time than the Colts are letting on. I happen to think they're just taking their time, and it's what they should do with their franchise quarterback. They're not winning a Super Bowl this year, but at the same time, they need to put butts in the seats, and the only way you're going to do that is getting Andrew Luck back on the field.
2: Yeah, good point. Yeah, that's great stuff.
1: Hey, His fans. I want to take a minute to tell you about our friends at the Fantasy Football Players Championship, who are celebrating their 10th year as the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. Over the last few years the FFPC has become the go-to destination for serious dynasty players. They now have over 140 active dynasty leagues and here's something incredible not a single dynasty league has folded in seven years. New startup dynasty leagues are forming now with entry fees starting at $77 and going up to $1,250 per team. The FFPC has leagues of all types drafting daily including best ball leagues. These popular FFPC draft expert leagues start at $35 entry fee and can win cash prizes or satellite entries into next year's national contests, such as the FFPC main event, the world's biggest contest in season-long fantasy football. You can draft your main event team live in person at the Planet Hollywood Hotel and Casino Las Vegas or online from the comfort of your own home. Over 1,300 teams will compete for the massive 250K grand prize with over 1.7 million in total cash prizes in this year's contest. Don't miss the FFPC experience, RotoBiz listeners. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com. Join your fellow players today at the FFPC, the home of season long high stakes fantasy football.
2: All right, now let's get into No Shit, Shit No. Uh, first item up, Cody Latimer. Troy Renk of Denver 7 expects Cody Latimer to be traded or released.
3: Um, shit no. Uh, I, I say that because the Broncos have been attached to Cody Latimer for a long time. They, they, they can't seem to give up on him. And on top of that, we heard that Carlos Henderson, the rookie wide receiver that, that I like a lot, reminds me a lot of Golden Tate. Uh, he's actually on IR, so the fact that he's on IR, that third wide receiver spot is still up in the air. Cody Latimer is not going anywhere, unfortunately.
2: Jim Caldwell, ESPN Lions reporter Michael Rothstein wrote, there is, quote, no indication Coach Jim Caldwell will get an extension before the season.
3: No shit. I mean, you can't, you can't be Jeff Fisher for so long and then expect people not to con- continue to feed you money, right? Like, Jeff Fisher, the, 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 <laughs> the amount of money that he made while being a 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight coach is, blows my mind. <laughs> you can't just settle for mediocrity as a franchise.
2: Dontrell Inman, NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, reports the Chargers have had trade discussions involving wide receiver Dontrell Inman.
3: I'll say no shit. Um, because Mike Williams just came off uh, the, the pup list they expect him to be back sooner rather than later and this is a this is a crowded team. they have so many wide receiving options even though uh, most people don't know Dontrell Dontre Inman from week seven through week 17, he was like top 22 in the NFL among wide receivers and receiving yards so he actually did his part pretty well. I think he, you know I think they should discuss a trade for him though I don't after seeing the free agent market this offseason, I doubt that they would get much in return.
2: Uh, I'm gonna skip this one since it actually did happen. Jermaine yeah. Curse, <laughs> <laughs> right. Antonio Brown. ESPN Cleveland's Troy Grossi reports the Browns will use cornerback Jamar Taylor to shadow Antonio Brown in Week One.
3: <laughs> this is a no shit, <laughs> but I, I think it's a no shit because they don't have any other option. You know, they just let go at Joe Hayden and then Antonio Brown vied for Joe Hayden, and then they brought him to Pittsburgh. So it's kind of funny. Uh, this is uh, Jamar Taylor did a fine job last year, but good luck
2: uh cam newton panthers panthers coach ron rivera admits he doesn't really know what to expect from cam newton in week one
3: no shit he threw two passes in the preseason uh he you know everybody's worried about andrew luck but nobody's worried about cam newton the guy who came to training camp then threw some passes and then stopped throwing for a couple weeks because he had a short a sore shoulder then he threw two times it's a, it's, it's a weird situation like where they may have rushed him back a little bit, whereas Andrew Luck has been babied, and that may be the best approach to take. Uh, but I don't know what to expect in him, from him. I, I'm, re- I'm writing up week one as we sit here, and I think every single pass catcher outside of maybe Christian McCaffrey is, is a worry for Cam Newton, because we have no idea what to expect. And they can run the ball a lot because they're playing San Francisco. So uh, I say no shit on that one.
2: Josh Doxson, speaking Tuesday, Redskins coach Jay Gruden admitted Josh Doxson's continued mistime time is a concern and that the second-year pro, quote, hasn't done a lot for us.
3: Uh, no shit. He, what, he saw six targets last year? I mean, what <laughs> opportunity has he had to do anything for your team? Now, granted, it, it's on him. He was hurt last year. If if you're if you're hurt one year, what are you gonna do? Like that's the thing. I, I don't understand this, but they held him out of the fourth preseason game and the third preseason game. He says he's okay. They're not letting him talk to the media now. Like they're hiding him. This is an ominous situation where it's like kind of like a Kevin White thing. Uh, but he hasn't done a lot. But I I wouldn't give up on Josh Doxson.
2: Blake Bortles. Jaguars coach Doug Marone said Blake Bortles looks the best I've seen him.
3: <laughs> Shit, no. <laughs> this just makes me laugh. I, I, he's, <laughs> say, he's obviously saying this to try and raise the kid's confidence after he destroyed it by saying there was a competition between him and Chad Henney. Uh, this is something he has to say. It, it No.
2: Deshaun Kaiser. Browns coach Hugh Jackson says he'll give Deshaun Kaiser a long leash as starting quarterback.
3: Uh, no shit. He has to. Uh, the Browns aren't winning a Super Bowl. He's committed this. I, in my opinion, he's committed to this way too early. There's no reason Deshaun Kaiser should be starting for this football team. Even his even his college coach said that Deshaun Kaiser should not be in the NFL right now. That he he needs to mature quite a bit. And then you're gonna throw him into the fire when you have three offensive linemen who are questionable for Week One. You, you know, a receiving core that has yet to establish themselves. A running game that has been meh. I don't. I didn't see any reason. I thought Cody Kessler was going to start the season for them. I thought he should have started the season for them, but um, he has to. Because you, you, uh, if, if you put him on a short leash, then you're going to ruin the kid's confidence. And that's the last thing you want to do with someone like Kaiser who relies so much on confidence. So, yeah, that's no shit.
2: Garrett Blunt. The Philadelphia Inquirer Zach Berman believes the Eagles could look into a better solution at running back than LeGarrette Blunt.
3: Um, no shit. Laguerreblunt is not very good. Uh, I, I, you know, I know he scored 18 touchdowns last year, and people want to say that that's the reason he's good. He saw 72 red zone attempts on a Patriots offense that, it, you know, is one of the top scoring offenses in the NFL. He was horrible in terms of his yards after contact metrics, and, and there was so many reasons I can give you as to why Blunt wasn't very good last year. And the NFL agreed because do you recall how long he stayed a free agent? Uh, Adrian Peterson, Jamal Charles got jobs before he did. He he went to a team. He didn't even know what the job was going to be with the team. He just took it because it was the only team that was willing to give him a job. And everybody's seeing how sluggish he looks not playing on a Patriots offense.
2: Martavis Bryant. The NFL has granted Martavis Bryant full reinstatement following his 2016 year-long suspension.
3: No shit. It happened. It happened. And uh, I love the kid. It's going to be so fun watching Martavis. Did you? I want to ask you a question real quick. Most, mm-hmm. people, don't, most people don't seem to know, and I'm sharing this because I've, I read a lot into him because I wanted to see... How his rehab was going? Did you know that Martavis Bryant did not work out through his first two seasons in the off season? He worked out. He said one time when the Steelers made him, but he said he literally did not do any sort of workouts, no gym, nothing in the off season until this year. Did you know that?
2: Uh, I remember hearing that on a on another podcast I was listening to. Maybe it was Matt Kelly brought that up or something. But yeah, that's that's insane. I can't it even is. believe that.
3: It is, and that's why, like, it was crazy, because I went back and looked through his game logs, and in a lot of his games where he struggled were in, like, weeks 15, 16, and 17, the end of the season when your body would break down, when you're struggling, you know, when you don't have enough mm-hmm. muscle to carry you through the season. Apparently, he put on 10 pounds this season. Martavis Bryant, dude's a monster, and uh, yes, I would own as much Martavis Bryant as possible.
2: All right. Kerwin Williams. Following Chris Johnson's release, Kerwin Williams has won the Cardinals' number two running back job.
3: I sound like a parrot, but no shit. Um, Kerwin Williams, I mean, Chris Johnson getting cut, it it, it kind of clears the door. TJ Jones is not ready for that job. Andre Ellington, they tried to put it wide receiver. That didn't really work. He's he's not um, durable enough to be a backup running back. So Kerwin Williams, it's kind of by default.
2: All right, great stuff. Uh, we'll finish up with some regular news items, but before we get into, into that, I want to take a moment to talk about MyBookie. I absolutely love sports betting. There's no site I trust more than Uh, MyBookie.ag. MyBookie has in-game live betting. They have the most rewarding player perks in the business. And the mobile capacities on most sports books are terrible. I can't tell you how many wagers I've missed out on due to slow loading speeds or impossible to figure out site layout. But MyBookie's all-new mobile site allows me to easily make wagers while I'm out with friends or from the comfort of my own couch watching the game. Uh, join now, and my bookie will match your deposit up to a 100% bonus. Just use promo code ROTOREPORT, that's one word, to activate this special offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, uh, item number three. The NFL suspended Willie Sneed three games for violating the league's policy on substance abuse. This news is pretty shocking in terms of the timing. Uh, what does this do to the value of Ted Ginn, and does it hurt Drew Brees at all?
3: Uh, it, it, I don't think it hurts breeze very much. I've seen, I've, I've lowered breeze a little bit over the season, just because I think that they want to run the ball more. I think it's what the team is built to do. I think the defense is getting a little bit better slowly um, but in terms of Ted Ginn Ted Ginn was being undervalued as is you know this is a guy that finished as uh, he's finished in the top 50 wide receivers three times during his career but I mean it, even going back as soon as uh, 2015 he finishes a number 26 wide receiver with Cam Newton as his quarterback now granted Newton has a big arm and he's able to get the ball down the field but Drew Brees has been one of the most accurate deep ball passers in the NFL Ted Ginn's going to give you headaches because you're going to see you're going to see game highlights where Drew Brees hits him in stride down the field and he drops it. That just happens with Ted Ginn. You have to live with that. Uh, but we saw in the preseason he was starting in two wide receiver sets, which is a very valuable role to be in in the New Orleans Saints offense. So uh, Ted Ginn was being undervalued uh, in terms of Willie Sneed. I was never really too high on him to begin with. Uh, I, I felt like people were in, in, inflating his numbers and what they what they were supposed to be without Brandon Cooks, where those numbers were going to be spread throughout the field. The roles don't change very much in New Orleans. Like, it's kind of like the Patriots, where it's like one body out, one body in. You kind of fill the roles as needed. You spread it out. Willie Snead, I don't think, is... is great enough to to consider 120 targets that's just not going to happen with him he's still going to play that slot role now that he's out three games Alvin Kamara is probably going to try and fill that role uh you know Adrian Peterson and and Mark Ingram I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with those two are they going to put them on the field together maybe move you know have a two-back set move move uh, Mark Ingram in the, into the slot there's so many things that that Sean Payton does to create mismatches on the field and it's the same reason I'm not worried about Michael Thomas because he'll he'll move players around if he needs to um, so this doesn't do too much to Breeze. Like I, I still think he's con- like he's locked into a top-four quarterback for me this year. Uh, as for Ted Ginn, he was being underdrafted. He should be taken in that wide receiver 45 range because, again, he's going to be up and down, but at the same time, you want those ups on your team rather than the opponent's team.
2: Yeah, I totally agree on Ted Ginn that he was being undervalued. And I guess I try not to put maybe too much uh, stock into what I see in the preseason, but it really was telling that, that he was starting in two wide sets, and Sneed was only, I mean, not even can't—not even getting 70% of snaps with the first team, I think. I don't know if I have that number right. But um, who who do you think is going to fill this slot role most of the time over these first three games?
3: Well, they're saying right now that Brandon Coleman is someone like And people have asked me, who's Brandon Coleman? I'm like, he's the guy that mm-hmm. I think it was last year, the year, the prior year. I can't remember which mm-hmm. year anymore. These years kind of fly by, but where he, he had a big start to the season, he was the big waiver wire pickup after week one because he went off for like I think two touchdowns and maybe like 56 yards or something like that. He's a guy again, you know, he's like Devery Henderson. If you're if you've been playing fantasy football for a while, Devery mm-hmm. Henderson was a guy that was maddening because, you know, he'd have this blow up game and you're like, oh, maybe this is the new guy. Brandon Coleman's probably going to do that, but good luck guessing the games that's going to happen because, again, he's going to be the third, maybe fourth wide receiver. I think Alvin Kamara is is interesting because they went out and drafted this kid even though they knew they had the two running backs there, so they obviously have a different role in mind for him. They know Drew Brees is towards the end. You know, We don't even know if this is his last season with the Saints. He's said before that it's possible that he goes elsewhere. He's 37 years old. He's looking for one more contract, and if the Saints aren't going to be in it to win it, then maybe he should just go elsewhere. And so looking at the Saints draft and what they did, Kamara is someone that reminds me a lot of Jamal Charles. Uh, You know, he doesn't have the... I don't. Know. I don't want to say the flash, but what I what that, what I notice when I watch him on tape is that he accelerates from zero to sixty really really fast. He doesn't have the long breakaway speed, but then again, Jamal Charles didn't really have that. He's just really quick when he needs to be. He can be used in the receiving game. He's not built to handle eighteen carries a game. So I want to see them use Kamara on the slot a lot. I just think that Brandon Coleman seems like he's going to play that big slot role. It's kind of like Marcus Colston did.
2: All right. Uh, let's move on to the next item. Steelers acquired tight end. Vance McDonald and a fifth-round pick from the 49ers in exchange for a fourth-round pick. Uh, who stands to gain the most from this trade, and is McDonald or any other player now fantasy-relevant to you?
3: Vance McDonald is the one who gains the most. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of Vance McDonald. He's someone that I own on a lot of my dynasty rosters, and I do that because you know it's the talent, and I think he's a big play waiting to happen. And if you go back, you know, people wanted to talk about Jesse James before... Um, before Ladarius Green even was, was brought over to Pittsburgh. And the fact that they brought in Green says, we're not ready for him to be that guy. And then Green gets hurt and they're like, okay, we have to work with James. We'll make it work. Ladarius Green comes back healthy. They put him right back on the field. Then all of a sudden they cut him. Oh, they're moving forward with Jesse James, guys. They're just looking for the next Heath Miller. Nope. Then they go and make they make a trade for Vance McDonald, the guy of the of the tight ends last year who saw thirty five or more targets. He finished number two behind only Rob Gronkowski in terms of yards per reception. So he's a big play waiting to happen. He's done really well. I want to say he scored seven touchdowns over the last two years on just ninety five targets in a bad San Francisco offense. The stat I threw out there uh, yesterday on a different show was that there were only 12 tight ends in 2016 who scored six or more touchdowns. 11 of those tight ends finished as top 12 options. So if we look at Vance McDonald and say, can you score six touchdowns with Ben Roethlisberger? He's almost by default going to finish as a top 12 fantasy tight end. Uh, you know, And some people are like, well, Mike, how can Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, Le'Veon Bell, and Vance McDonald all fit into this? You know, umbrella under top fantasy options. Well, it's pretty simple. If you go back and you look at the Bears under Jay Cutler when they had Matt Forte as a top five running back, they had Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall as top 24 wide receivers, they had Martellus Bennett as a top 12 tight end, and that was with Jay Cutler at the helm. So it's more than possible. We've never seen the Steelers' offense healthy. Uh, I want to see him learn the playbook. I don't know if he's going to be involved right from the get go. But I happen to think that they have big plans for Vance McDonald. You don't trade away a fifth round pick, uh, you know, just for nothing, or a fourth round pick like they did for nothing. Uh, They're going to use him. He's going to benefit the most. As for the 49er situation, I don't know if anybody knows what's going on there. Uh, George Kittle is a rookie. You don't ever want to trust a rookie tight end. Um, You know, (laughs) Hmm. Garrett Garrett Selleck, Blake Bell, you're not going to trust these guys. So I'd stay away there, but it's really questionable as to what they're doing in San Francisco for pass catching options because. You just got rid of Vance McDonald, Tory Smith. Uh, they cut Jeremy Curley yesterday. So it's like, where are these targets going? Because I'm pretty sure they're going to have to throw. I mean, in terms of their defense and the lack of skill, the talent they have there, they're going to have to throw. I'm going to say a minimum of 550 times. Where are these targets going? Like, is Carlos Hyde turning into David Johnson? I don't. I don't. I don't. Hmm. I don't think so. Uh, I love Carlos Hyde, but at the same time. We have to figure out where these targets go, so maybe there is more value at the tight end position in San Francisco that I'm letting on. I just can't seem to trust any of those guys.
2: Yeah, yeah, McDonald is a really, uh, you know, he was an interesting prospect as a tight end, very athletic and pretty productive in college, and kind of, I think, hasn't maybe uh, shown all of that in the NFL. Uh, I guess the one thing that worries me about him going to the Steelers is that I'm trying to remember, it doesn't seem like the Steelers have have ever really heavily featured a tight end in their offense or in the red zone? So I'm, that I guess is one thing that maybe I want to look more into. But it's a little bit no. disconcerting. Yeah. Well,
3: yeah. No, that's definitely something that would be concerning. Um, I, I think it may have come down to personnel and the fact that like who they're throwing to. Like I just I just pulled it up. I have it uh, down to the team target totals, and last year was actually the highest, the bit, the largest amount. The target share for tight ends in Pittsburgh was twenty one percent. Uh, 126 targets last year the previous two years was 95 and 97 but again I mean Jesse James you know he may see 20 targets so if you're going to get 70 to 100 targets for Vance McDonald maybe like again we're, we're this is kind of wishful thinking on my part maybe with Martavis Bryant coming back I do see Le'Veon Bell's target totals coming down a little bit I can't see them continually targeting more than wide receivers Um, but again this Pittsburgh Steelers is going to Offense is going to be phenomenal to watch. He can beat teams down the seam. Like you have to pick your poison. Like Antonio Brown, you are not going to stick him in single man coverage because if you do, he's going to eat him. He's going to eat that corner alive. Martavis Bryant, if you don't stick a safety over the top, he's going to beat a corner deep. Le'Veon Bell, if you don't keep somebody like I don't know if you go into a nickel package to keep somebody covering him, it's it's incredible what the Steelers offense can do if they remain healthy. They have one of the best offensive lines in football, uh, and their defense has been getting better. So um, that's a team to watch for.
2: Definitely. Definitely. And then I guess on the 49ers, it's almost the exact opposite. But (laughs) I I agree. Yeah, I I mean, I agree they're going to have to throw a lot. I'm kind of hopeful that Shanahan can help that offense a little bit and they'll improve uh, and they'll even improve on defense just by being able to maybe sustain drives a little longer. But I don't really know. I'm buying a lot of Pierre Garçon. That's for sure.
3: Oh yeah, well, I mean, that's that's the one player I've said, I think he's the easiest player to project this season. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he, he's legitimately, he's going to finish as a top 30 wide receiver. I don't know how high the ceiling is, but I fin- I see him finishing it right in between the tw- number 20 and number 30 wide receiver. It's just so simple to project and say, he's locked in to 120, 150 targets, like somewhere in that range, and that's that's good territory to be in.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally agree. All right, well, that will do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Mike Tagliere. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, at MikeTagliereNFL. Please remember to rate and review the roto radio channel on iTunes, and be sure to get that 30% discount for subscribing to roto through the roto radio channel, rotoviz.com slash podcast. I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Listening to the
1: Rotoviz Report, powered by Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed, and be sure to contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a thirty percent discount through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash.